0: Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We are doing episode number 127 live. It is April 27th, 2013. My name is Rob Woodbridge, founder of Untether.tv, located in the heart of Canada, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, home of the playoff-bound Ottawa Senators. With me as always, my counterpart from the other side of Ontario.
1: <laughs> a, a Steve Gunn from the Location-Based Marketing Association, home of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, which are just a little bit better than the Ottawa Senators. and. Uh, looking forward to that first round playoff match against the Montreal Canadiens. Can you imagine? So we got we got hey, I mean we got Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, you know, all going strong in this uh, in this first round anyway, so we'll uh, we'll see where it ends up, but uh
0: yeah, excited that playoff hockey is Yes, good. it is what Canadians live for, man, and especially this battle uh I mean, you know, talk about some of the original 7 teams, Ottawa or Montreal and Toronto, that is going to be a bloody battle. I can't wait. I can't wait. It starts mm-hmm. next week. But between now and then, we have got this great show. We do this every week for 127 consecutive weeks as we've covered this industry from top to bottom. And we've got some six great stories again. we got our app of the week. We've also got a great resource and a guest in Edward Marks from Twist. It's a cool little app that we featured here before. I actually got a chance to sit down with Edward. For on tether.tv, TV will feature that but before we get into any of those stories to so see if you spent last week crossing the country the United States you had your Seattle launch of the, the location-based marketing Association chapter and then you went back into Atlanta for an event with the Atlanta chapter tell us about this what were some of the key takeaways that you got out of this
1: uh, well, both were really great events. Uh, it was nice to be in Seattle. We've been planning that uh, that chapter for a long time, like a, a year, it seems, uh, and uh, we finally got it done, and Razorfish hosted it at a, their brand spanking new office, and uh, there was even great weather in Seattle, so it was uh, a little sunny and warm, and uh, we probably lost a couple people to their patios, but uh, good, good discussion. We had Point Inside and Venue Labs and Costco and... Uh, Blazing Onion Burger Company and all these guys on the panel, and uh, you know, uh, lots of uh, local, um, you know, startups as well. Out and uh, yeah, it was it was just a, a, a general good discussion. Um, a lot of the focus in the Seattle event was, you know, as you might expect by the panel talking about uh, indoor location from Point Inside's perspective. Uh, a lot of discussion around analytics uh, overall um, and, and kind of measurement and how you know how important some of the, the new things are like the Starcom type of PVRs and stuff that we were talking about a few weeks back so good discussion there and then uh, shifted over to Atlanta for uh, an event in partnership with AMA, the Atlanta Interactive Marketing Association and that, uh, that was really uh, well um, really well attended uh, as well and, and, and we had uh, a different type of panel, it was kind of more retail oriented. We had uh, Arby's and Mo Southwest Grill and Intercontinental Hotels um, and benchmark brands all on the panel. Uh, so that was uh, interesting to hear from their perspectives. Um, you know, kind of that shift, I think, from they had all tried Foursquare type things over the last year, year and a half, uh, with uh, moderate results, I'll say. Uh, but, but I think generally speaking, we we're seeing a shift kind of towards, you know, how can we, how can we build this into our own brand initiatives? How can we tie this to the loyalty programs and, and things of that nature? So I, I think it was, it, you know, both were, were really good discussions kind of just showing a little bit of maturity in, in the space.
0: And I uh, love the diversity that you, you know, the split of those two events, uh, you know, between Seattle and, and Atlanta, but, um, so the good takeaway is that, you know, it's everything that we've talked about, there's that theme that we've been talking about throughout this, these 127 episodes is that eventually it all has to come back under, to, to roost underneath the brand's own identity and they're not willing to farm that out anymore. They want to control it a little bit more. And, and uh, we see some companies that are suffering who were helping brands get online and move or getting mobile and leveraging the location data. And now those companies, now that there's enough intelligence in these in these organizations that they're bringing them inside, this is going to have a pretty big impact on some of the companies that we've been we've been talking about before. And I think it's the right move. You have to own your brand. You do. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and so and this week you've got uh, some some other things going on, or is this a, a relaxing week for you uh, with LBMA related stuff in Toronto?
1: Yeah, it's it's actually a bit of a catch-up week. I'm I'm, I'm at home this week, so just you know, a bunch of local meetings, local members I uh, got to connect up with here, uh, and then the following week uh, we're off to uh, to Florida for the Retail Technology Exchange. That's May eighth to tenth. Uh, that'll be an interesting event because, it, as you know, we do a lot of retail events. Uh, we're connected to a lot of retail events, but this is a little bit different format. This is uh, yes, there's some there's some sessions, and I'm doing a keynote and stuff, but. Uh, the format's quite different it's it's uh you know you got a bunch of retailers a bunch of brands on one side and and a bunch of uh startups and vendors uh on the other side and and it's kind of preset one-on-one meetings where the the startup actually gets to sit down in 20 minute meetings with with a with a retailer and actually pitch them
0: and talk to them so it's not like uh, uh MMA or any like cage fighting or right? like you got brand guys standing on yeah, yeah
1: yeah so 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 i think that you know i think that's nice uh to see that uh you know, there, there are brands that are interested enough uh, in what's going on that they're willing to kind of set aside their time like that and, and actually give give a give a startup, give a tech company, a vendor uh, a chance to actually share, share a vision with them. So, yeah, we'll That's see.
0: Cool. I like that idea is that uh, they have to be, you know, we always talk about these companies like Starbucks who are, uh, you know, who are investing in the future. They're testing a lot of the technologies that a lot of the retailers are going to either use or not. And they're the kind of the litmus test. And I like the fact that, that they would bring these companies, these startups, together. So, if you are hopefully it's not too late. If you're listening to this and you're hearing about this the first time, you got some technology that fits into the retail space. Um, check it out, and that's in in May, obviously. Um, very cool. Well, I spent I spent a uh, a little bit of time last week in in San Francisco. Um, I was part of uh, an event held uh, by Relay Ventures down in uh, San Francisco, and they uh, they brought together some of the greatest speakers. You know, a great little package of a. Of a condensed, you know, two-thirds of a day event. Uh, I had the real privilege of sitting down and doing some interviews while I was there with um, guys like Sal Khan from the Khan Academy, which is an episode that, uh, a small interview, maybe 10 minutes with him, and it was just, it was great to get his perspective. He's an inspiring, inspiring, inspiring guy. Uh, you know, I sat with the chief operating officer for Evernote, and that episode will be up there, the chief strategic guy for um um for Google and their mobile strategy was—I mean—it was an amazing, high, high, high-quality people. Those episodes will be up; those interviews will be up online and on Tether TV eventually. But uh, really, really, really exciting, and interesting folks. And then I got to sit down—I can't believe—I went and visited with uh, Andrew Warner over from uh, Mixer G, um, which who was the inspiration mm-hmm. for Tether TV. Uh, for getting all of this started for me and i uh, get to spend a couple hours uh drinking scotch with andrew warner and then had to race to get my plane it was a i mean it was a great 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 amazing time in san francisco so inspiring to get back there um i could go there every week i think um it's just you know the ecosystem down there is a stellar so um yeah. look for those and uh andrew if you're listening to this um yeah i really appreciate spending some time with you it was a lot of fun a lot a lot a lot of fun all right. So what do you say we jump into this? Uh, we've got our uh, little uh, app of the week um, and then we've got our six stories, our resource of the weekend, of course, Edward Marks from Twist talking about his latest startup. Um, so let's uh, let's jump in. And first story, Steve.
1: Yeah, so so the first story, you know, we, we usually talk about an app uh, app of the week, and th- this week, uh, you know, we're going to do something that we don't normally do. I think, uh, which is uh, we're going to talk about Foursquare. Uh, <laughs> what well, uh, we talk about them all the time, just maybe not in a good way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, and it's not so much it's the app of the week. It's just that uh, you know they they you know I guess about two weeks ago uh, on the 16th, uh, you know, which was Foursquare Day, um, you know. April oh, 16th, I that. fourth month, you know, 16th yeah. day, you know, Foursquare, whatever, uh, you I get mi- it all. I missed um,
0: that. I didn't see the yeah.
1: Anyhow, um, hmm. they, to kind of celebrate uh, their achievements, they, they kind of put out some some nice little uh, visualization tools for their users. And you know, I still use Foursquare as we've talked about on the show uh, from time to time. Uh, m- for me, it's mostly today a, kind of a, a history. A benchmark, you know, that I can kind of go back to and kind of look at. What was the name of that restaurant we were hanging out at in Timbuktu? You know? It's exactly because you're getting old,
0: man. That is exactly the yeah, problem. Because I'm getting old. I you know, I, I need
1: I need these memory aids and, and that's what Foursquare is for me. Um but anyways, they, they released this um these visualization tools where you can actually look at your your last year in check-ins and kind of visualize that in, in, in a number of different ways and uh yeah, uh, you can look at it by category, the types of things that you were checking into. You can look at it by month, um, you know, and kind of you know see the, the density of check-ins, uh, you know, that were happening. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think if you still use Foursquare and you're out there today, uh, it's kind of a fun little way to look at, uh, you know, how that has manifested for you individually over the last, uh, last year or so. So uh, I encourage people to take a look at that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice little visual.
0: It is, and I was just uh, showing them on the screen. If you, if you are listening to this, you didn't get the benefit of actually seeing it on there and, and uh, showing, actually, I, I still check in periodically, not through the Foursquare app, but through, say, Instagram or some other app that allows me to do that. I, um, it still gives me a good thread of where I've been, um, and it gives a little bit of uh, publicity to the places that I go, which I think is great. Um, but it, it just shows mm-hmm. that um, you know the, the areas that I'm not um, active in our college and education, nightlife and shops. Everything else is fine. Arts and entertainment, pretty big, um, and uh, professional, and food and travel. So it just shows you that. Yeah, it just reminds me that I don't have a have a night nightlife any,
1: anymore. Yeah, for, and for me, it was uh, I was okay on the nightlife thing, mostly because I'm hanging out at conferences um, and 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 the resulting parties from that, but. Uh, I'm a bit weak on outdoors and recreation uh, uh, to some extent. Uh, well, not not too bad actually. Uh, my my weakest is res- is residential check ins. Uh, I don't have
0: any for sure. So that's not even a category for, sure. for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Residential check ins and college and education. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah I'm well, right there.
0: you know what? It's because I've so, done that. I don't have to go back to school. Outdoor and recreation, I'm good. Yeah. Um, this is school this right is. here. If you want to learn, if you want to learn something, come to this show. This is education. One hundred percent. Well, it was yeah. It's a, it's a I mean, it's a great way to visualize the data, and um, it just shows you how many times you've checked in or how many times you haven't checked in. But uh, go and take a look at it. You can find this at uh, foursquare.com. Um, well, just do I don't even know how to search for this. Uh, just go to foursquare.com. Uh, I'll give you the long address: foursquare.com/slash/infographics/slash/4sqday. Foursquare day at four the the number four sq day. Foursquare.com/forward/slash/infographics/forward/slash 4 SQ Day, and you will be able to do that visualize your own, which is pretty cool. There you go.
1: All right, shall we jump into the uh the stories for the week? Let's do it. All right, so, so the first story uh for this week comes from the, uh, the UK, uh, a company called Fizz F-I-Z. F I Z. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's a, uh, another social discovery, uh, location-based, find things around you type of app, um, for both iOS and Android. Uh, the reason they jumped into the news this week is, uh, they raised a little bit of, uh, seed capital, uh, about 350K US dollars, 200,000, uh, uh, UK, uh, pounds. And, um... Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, that's all I have to say. For me, yeah, (laughs) yeah, uh, you know, it's another social discovery app. I mean, I guess what's unique about this is they're they're trying to focus this a little bit on the uh, travel and hospitality sector uh, specifically. Uh, The guys who are running this come from that uh, that background. One of the uh, one of the investors and and, uh, one of the new directors is the former uh, VP of Emerging Markets for Expedia. Apparently, they've got another high net worth uh, investor who also comes from the travel industry. So, so they're coming at this from from that kind of travel hospitality sector, kind of focusing you know, social discovery around this. Um, you know, we've talked enough on this show about you know where how, how we think that this, this market is, is going and, and uh, the lack of uh, of opportunity left in this market. You know, for me, this is it, it, this, the platform is more like the original World platform. Because the way it works is is that it's 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 about finding uh categories of things and, and people associated with those categories, so you you search on this thing for fun and leisure, nature and outdoors food and drink didn't didn't we just talk about this though in, in the visualization like five seconds ago from foursquare so it, it, it's there's really not a lot of uniqueness to this platform at all um I think you know where where there may be a play for these guys is if they can get enough of a user base around this and prove the model out uh, in the UK, given the pedigree of the, of the team here, maybe this is something that they could flip to an Expedia or somebody else to kind of build into, you know, a TripAdvisor or, or, you know, something along those lines um, as a feature, not as a standalone product. Yeah. So, so I'm not saying that, there's, you know, there may be an opportunity here. Um, you know, as, as part of something bigger, but as a standalone, I, I don't see any
0: uh, any big opportunity. Well, I, I think the biggest challenge with companies like this is that they don't own their data and uh, if, it's yet another yep. social network, right? Yasin, that's mm-hmm. a new one, yet another social network, and, and, um, yeah. and it's, it's yet another, uh, I mean, you, you go through that whole process of having to find users and getting user-contributed content, and, and, and I mean, most people by now have committed to a platform that does all yeah. of this already quite effectively, whether it's Yelp or Foursquare or Facebook or any of these other larger companies with millions of users. And the idea that you're gonna come in there and compete against that uh, with an offering like this with no revenue model. Um, maybe there's some data analytics behind it, but you're leveraging everybody else's data. And, and it's the worst place right now to be, which is reliant on somebody else's data. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be as nice as you. Fizz.com is useless. Um, this is this is one of those things that maybe there's a good team in there, but it's a it's a what they're challenging, what they're trying to do is something that is three years past its due date.
1: Yeah. No, like, totally I agree. Why, with why, that. Like why said, do this? I mean, the only the only silver lining here potentially is get get a you know a couple hundred thousand people on this thing show that it works within the travel sector and then flip
0: it to, you know, one of the big travel uh, players as yeah, a future. Yeah, like for 80 bucks because I like I, you know, yeah. and even I mean the only thing that would save this is if look they had if they had those core users in a neighborhood or a small spot right. They they're targeting anybody who wants to do anything with their leisure time for social discovery and that is a useless business model. Like I this, this is what's frustrating about this, is that there's so much potential and everybody congregates around the crappy ideas that are three years old, and this is one of those crappy ideas. Like, mm. I'm sorry, but it's time to be innovative. When you've got the world... Don't, don't
1: be sorry. I'm, yeah. right you, well, I'm
0: sorry for the founders who are spending their money on this. Don't put another dime in this. Go and find a business model. Go and find something that's actually somebody who's going to use and it actually hasn't been created. Enough with this. There is no. This is a global marketplace, a global business marketplace where what you know maybe it would have worked two or three years ago where they had foursquare yelp and in the united states and you wanted to build something in the uk but the uk is a sophisticated market now that they are using facebook and foursquare they're not in the dark ages so why would anybody put money in this i have no freaking idea no idea no idea and if you're using this or if you're a founder or an investor in this boy like let come on defend it come on and tell us yeah fizz.com fizz perfect name right <laughs> oh, yeah man i'm sorry but that like wow let's go places right yeah anyway fizz.com well speaking of speaking about go yes. places let's talk let's talk about traveling on a <laughs> sure, school bus please. change the subject before <laughs> i keep going down this path <laughs> let's talk about traveling on yes. a school
1: bus so our next story uh is kind of a two part one uh both around the same subject matter uh and we'll start with uh you know, the United Arab Emirates uh, over in in Dubai, uh, what we learned this week is that Emirates Transport, uh, which uh, operates about 3,200 school buses, has decided to deploy a sophisticated GPS tracking system on these buses, as well as RFID tags on the students riding the buses. Uh, All about And all under the premise of, you know, safety and tracking, you know, these students and allowing parents to know what's going on. And also, you know, uh, being able to, you know, get uh, support out to a bus if it breaks down and all this kind of stuff. Um, You know, at first glance, I read this and I go, really, do we, you know, do we really need this kind of stuff? Do we really need to be tracking every school bus and every student on the bus and all of that? And then, you know, you see things like what happens in, you know some of these uh latest terror attacks and and uh, all this crazy stuff that's happening everywhere and you know even here in Canada while I was away you know there was the uh, attempted uh you know uh, train uh, yeah, attack derail.
0: yeah
1: you know on via and uh y- you know on the one hand I'm like uh, you know I I I'm bewildered by this on the other hand I'm You're like a I'm a parent and I get it and and I go you know what I don't mind this actually this for me is just you know the next step in how this technology uh, becomes useful, uh, and there's good utility here, um, and uh, yeah. So
0: there uh, I mean, you go. I think that uh, I'm I'm maybe I'm I'm with you on this because I'm a parent, and for those of you who are listening who aren't parents, who, you you know I mean you don't understand what it's like to put your children on a bus and send them on their way, and I mean buses in Canada don't have seatbelts any, you know like it's it's a crazy thing to think that you're gonna put the, the trust in, in somebody else who, who's driving a bus without seatbelts or any kind of safety. Um, but I think the big thing here is uh, is you know there's two sides to this: there's that invasion of privacy side, and there's that uh, secure or concern for security and uh, and accountability side. And and um, the buses, I'm surprised that that buses in the Emirates don't have uh, you know all of our public transportation here is GPS enabled, so that they can they can you know make sure that they the flow of traffic is is effective, and and they know when you're going to be picked up at a bus stop. But uh, I like this idea about tracking the buses and the whereabouts. And especially some of these are spurred by events that happen on the bus, uh, some devastating events that happen on on, on buses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I like it for the safety aspect of this uh, alone. And they're doing something like this uh, just north of Atlanta, where they're actually putting um, RFID tags on, on, you know, not on kids. Like, they're not implanting them. But... Um, they're wearing badges with RFID tags, so that when kids get onto a bus, they're tagged on the bus, and they and when they get off the bus, they're tagged off the bus. And RFID only works within a small, small, small um, circle, uh, you know, of an RFID reader. So it's not like you can, uh, you know, stand back and and scan it from a great distance. Um, but but kids get on and off a bus. I like that the anonymous data, making sure that they don't spend too much time on the bus, because there could be an issue. We've seen this in, in incidents in India, um, unfortunately. And um, where you also uh, make sure that the kids um, are actually getting on and off the bus at the right spot. And uh, we've all heard these stories yeah. of kids getting on the wrong bus, being taken to the wrong place, parents frantic trying to find that kid. And if this eliminates that fear, um, as long as it's not abused, I, 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 like there's, there's some good, but there's also that concern, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. But I, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, as, as you said right at the beginning, I mean, this is, you know, as a parent, you know, if if I can log on to a website and I can see that you know my kid got yeah. on the bus and they got off the bus
0: and they arrived at school and you know then then I'm happy. Better right? yet, and, and if there's a notification that the kid didn't get on the bus or didn't get right. off the bus right at the right spots, I sure. think those are the key things. Sure. And Life 360 yeah. is doing this, right? These, the, this is the whole managing yep. your family, and and it's the it, it's sometimes you like it, it's terrible, but it's the reality of the worlds and world. And and I was talking to my mother about this, is that um, you know after the bombings in in Boston, and I said you know I just I, I wish we could go back to that time where we didn't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, she made that comment a comment to me that said basically, you know, it, that would have been well before you were alive. You just didn't, you weren't aware of what was going on. I mean, this is this is just life's realities now, and it's unfortunate. But I think that then I re- said went back to her and I said, you know, I'm. I just wish we could go back to the time where we didn't. Where i didn't know about this stuff right so whatever it was that innocence that happens but the reality as a parent your number one priority in life is to protect your children at all costs and i think that in that context yeah. um, my arms are not waving saying this is an invasion of privacy this is something that i would welcome if my kids got on a bus i want to know just two things that they're on the bus when i leave them they get off at the right spot and,
1: and they're where they're supposed Absolutely.
0: to be or where you expect them to be, right uh you know and i think that's where the notification pieces you know can
1: become quite valuable yeah. you know attendance you know alerts you know all that kind of stuff right? yeah. um you know it's uh it's a different world than when you and i grew uh, up
0: so uh so true sure i some I'm, I'm very fearful of this sometimes it's the one thing that keeps me uh keeps me numb a little bit but so uh you know i we'd like to know if you you are in line with that it would be interesting to see the parents versus non-parents because parents have a a little i probably say a little bit more liberal view about this this than than uh, than people without kids because uh, it's either you're being tracked by the man or the man is helping you and in this instance perhaps the man is actually helping, right? Yeah. There you go. Very cool. I love these little controversial stories like this. And from one controversial story to a not so controversial story, our third story here is is a company called I, I'm going to uh, assume it's called Swip, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is this is a <laughs> company called Swip that that is quite literally. Um, a, uh, a rate-everything-discover-everything everything, uh, application these guys just raised two million dollars um, and it's basically If you have an opinion about something a brand if you have an opinion about a movie if you have an opinion about anything Kind of reminds me of Oink in the old days uh, Kevin Rose's company milk where you can actually just rate it and you give it a rating, a, rating um, a number rating, in fact, you know, between one and five. And this reminds me of another company called Notch um, at Notch.it does the same thing in a very visual way. So this is obviously an emerging market, emerging uh, business model.
1: It's an emerging market. I mean, people want to be able to, you know, have some quantifiable types of data, right, that, that uh, helps them understand the opinions of things that uh, they're responsible for delivering in the market. And... What what's interesting here, or what's, I guess, a little bit different here than, say, the Oink or, or the Notch piece is, is that this isn't just a consumer play. So they have, you know, what, what they've announced here is, is an enterprise uh, or what they call SWIP plus, the, an enterprise version of, of the app that, uh, you know, has a bunch of kind of widgets that you can embed into your website. It's got, uh, you know, a bunch of different ways to segment the data. Um and, and really this is about powering an enterprise's ability to monitor and track their, you know, their locations, the the people that work in their locations, the you know, anything to do with their their brand. Uh and, and to gather some data about that. So to some extent, you know, I, I think there, you know, there's some value in that, in that you know, and I heard we heard this certainly from the Seattle event that um, you know, the uh That movement towards more analytics and and a better understanding uh, and a quantifiable way to kind of look at, you know, the conversation that's going on around my location, around the people that work in my restaurant, around the people that, you know, are, are, you know, uh, enabled and selling my product, Uh, you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and gathering ratings, if you will, or, or, or data on that, I, I think is interesting. Uh, and if I can somehow build that into my own backend dashboards and things like that, which is what they're doing with the Swift Plus piece, which is a uh, a piece that they charge for, I believe it's not a. a I think the the Swift General app is free. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll see how this evolves, but it's certainly an emerging market, you know, around kind of getting quantifiable data in this space, quantifiable sentiment. Uh, information in this
0: space yep and i think that uh, from a business standpoint maybe this is good again it's all about user base right if you only have three people using it yeah. uh these the all these companies the big challenge is getting users on this on this platform and uh and you, you know that um this is an emerging spot because we've named uh i mean oink was, was first on the market to try to do something with this uh, Rate anything anywhere and that was the concept uh, it didn't go very far it had about one hundred twenty-five thousand users I think early adopters when it actually uh, when he sold it to, uh, um, his company uh, milk to to Google um, and then notch.it k n o t c h.it is another company and obviously swip swip.com s w i p p.com so obviously this is an emerging market keep your eye on it um, and the the uh, it is just the beginning the rate everything rate everything anywhere era has begun um, so you can uh, offer your opinion swip swip.com right uh we're gonna take a little bit of break here uh got a great guest here i was introduced to edward marks um maybe three years ago i sat down with him uh for the very first episode um that i did with him on on tether.tv back then he was a co-founder in a company called inedible software and these these were the guys that made uh everything from uh remember the you must have used this the lighter app that you like, you mm-hmm. it was like a Zippo app, and you you could share, uh, you could uh, ignite somebody else's flame based on proximity and Bluetooth and all those kind. Of, it was it was um, you know yeah. early on um, really uh, novelty based applications, and there was the shotgun app that they had, where you basically had your iPhone and you cocked your shotgun and you could shoot, and um, and then they did one with the iPad, which was a bazooka. They ended up getting between 10 and 15 million uh, users for these applications, uh, sold their company about uh, 18 months ago, um, and they started a company called Twist, or at least one of the, Edward uh, uh, um, went off with uh, two other, three other partners and started something called Twist. And we feature Twist here as one of our apps to watch, um, which was basically a A notification application that allowed you to uh, uh, when you were going to a destination you could set up a twist that said notify them when I'm gonna be there give me the you know based on the um, the route based on the traffic based on everything that uh, all of these things that fit into uh, into travel tell them when I'm gonna be there and then notify them let them know when I'm gonna be there and notify them when I'm five minutes away and uh it can be done over email and sms it's a pretty cool i love these kind of services that reside in the in the behind the scenes that just do this on your behalf and you you do have to tell them to start um and i use it all the time when i'm coming home or going uh into meetings i love i love 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 this app and i had an opportunity to sit down with edward to talk about twist talk about the challenges the businesses the pitfalls and the and uh the uh experience it is to start this up they've been doing this now for over a year uh some money and uh yeah, so I'll let Edward tell you about it. This is Edward Marks of uh, Twist, one of the co-founders.
2: Kind of got, got going. We just got a whiteboard. And um, actually, Google Docs was really cool because we could all type on the same document at the same nice. time. And so, so we sit in a room with a doc open and kind of be brainstorming about what we wanted to do. And we very, very quickly went to a prototype. And it was called, and so, and it was
0: called a When Soon.
2: When soon yeah.
0: and and I mean when uh, the way I described it at the beginning of this is is this application that that is it's very difficult it's very easy to use but when I say listen you know it, it goes into your calendar and it checks out what 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 uh, what event is coming up for you it asks you if you want to create a twist and the twist is basically that it says listen it ties that event to that location to that person and then as yep. I embark on getting to that meeting it keeps that person informed about when I'm leaving and when I'm uh, um, expected to arrive based on traffic patterns based on everything it's Pretty, it's pretty uh, awesome, yeah. right? I mean, this is as, as, um, as much data, artificial intelligence as you can get in that one relationship with my calendar and that person. Is that a good way to describe it? Did I miss anything there?
2: Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much right. I mean, it doesn't have to be launched in your calendar. Yeah. You can enter things into the app itself. Yeah. But yeah, there's some kind of a meetup that's going to happen, or you're going to go see someone. Actually, our most common use case are people going home after yeah. work. They used to send an on my way text message. We can actually do that in fewer taps, and it's better. So it tells them when you're gonna show up and then they can kind of see your little route and then it, it starts on its own, it stops on its own. And you don't have kind to of have, just runs in your pocket. The other
0: person doesn't have to have the app, they get a text message or they yep. get an email, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of all encompassing around this and, and, uh, and, I, and as, uh, you know, I said I, I've used it, I'm fascinated with it and I'm so glad that you're involved in this. Um, so how, how far off is that, is the product today from where you were sitting around with the team conceptualizing 18 months ago? Same ideas?
2: Yeah, it's actually in some ways similar. So we we did this prototype actually where, where all four of us kind of converged on the same spot and all of our ETAs were, were being shared and all of our dots on the map. We actually didn't get back to that point probably for another year. Wow. Because we focused much more at first on the one-to-one case, like I'm going somewhere. And then eventually we tied them all back together again to where multiple people could be could be seen on the same map. And so part of it was that, I mean, it's easy to make prototypes, that's why you make them, and then as you start to put the, you know, try to get it productized where it's really got the the cases handled and the failure modes and, you know, when errors come up, you can recover gracefully, all of that stuff, I don't know what percentage of the total work it is, 75% of the total work, 90% of the total work, it's something unfortunately large. <laughs> so,
0: well, it's, it, I mean, that's the hard part, right? Uh, you, you know, there's a couple of hard parts building a company, and one of them is building the product so that it's it, that it's functional, useful, and yeah. usable. Um, so you're sitting around, uh, the company's funded at that point, or is getting funded, or I mean, what's the state at this point? Is is Bill just putting so, his money into it, or, or what's going on?
2: No, we kind of started on our own. Yeah. None of us needed to draw a paycheck right away, yeah. and so we worked for a couple, maybe, three four months on our own kind of working on on the idea and trying to get it going and and then eventually we went and um, and we pitched with the prototype
0: okay how important was that to pitch with something like a prototype so I mean it, it might be easy to explain two years later because everybody's reliance on the devices escalated right um, yeah but how hard was it like you thought it was really important to have that prototype to be able to pitch this properly
2: it was a pretty cool pitch because what happened was I got I got the venture capitalists a beta build of the app um, through Test flight, and it was just a blank screen that said something will happen. It didn't say what would happen, didn't say when it would happen, it said something will happen. And then we had our own versions of the same same app where there's just one button you hit. You just said go and it would just make a route to Sand Hill Road and it would put you on it. Right? So that was it. There was no searching for destinations, there was no picking recipients, it was all kind of ready to roll. And so you did that and all of a sudden their apps just woke up and there were four dots, one from San Francisco, one from Saratoga, me from Palo Alto and one from Mountain View, all kind of converging on the same spot with four lines and four different colors all kind of coming together. And it was, I didn't actually, we'd, we'd worked, it was, I worked basically eight continuous days trying to get this prototype to work. And I worked you know, all through the weekend, whatever, 16 hours a day and we didn't get time to do a test run. Oh nice. And so I didn't know until I got in the car whether or not it was really going to work. I was pretty sure it was gonna work, but I never actually done done the drive there and, and handle all the details. And so I'm sitting there and like I look at my phone and I'm like, yeah and my <laughs> car is swerving on the road. Right. And it was just it was flawless, right? All four dots came together, it turned off on its own just perfectly. And so being able to demonstrate to them, you know, the one of the, the motivations for making the app was that in the previous year, Bill had taken 200 pitches for angel investment, and really often someone's can I get directions? I'm running late. They're texting while driving. They're running early. They're trying to get his phone number. Whatever it is, there's all this pain around meeting, and so the venture capitalists have the same pain. Yeah. I'm sure people are late to their pitches. I'm sure, you know, people get lost trying to get to them. I actually got a little bit lost trying to find the right parking lot. Um, and I got out on foot and I have the, the, the phone in one hand and running with the other, you know, trying to, trying to get there. And so, and so we wanted to kind of demonstrate, put them in the pain seat because most of what Twist is about is the receiver. Yeah. The sender feels better because they know that they have relieved the receiver of this uncertainty and this anxiety and that they're on the same page. They know you're late. It's going to be okay. You're human. As opposed to,
0: yeah. Like, that's the problem is that if, I mean, if we just took all the humans out of this, nobody would be late. We'd be an efficient race of of robots or something like that, right? Edward Marks, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in Twist, go to twist.com, one of the best domain names on the planet. I don't know how he got it, uh, although he did say that in in that full length episode, which will be up on tether.tv shortly. Um, that they did buy it. They wouldn't disclose how much they paid for it, but they did buy it. But uh, really cool little concept of a company. I uh, love what they do, and um, I'm going to assume that somebody at some point, this is my own speculation, is going to buy this company uh, simply for the technology and integrate it into something um, soon. But uh, I think that uh, Twist is an interesting place, so go in and, and check it out, twist.com. Have you had a chance to play with that yet, uh, Steve? I have yeah, not. It's worth it. Especially when, when, you know, um, it, it, it's a little bit easier to just set and forget. Like, it, what it does is it pulls up a, it resides in the background and says, like, it, you give it permission to your calendar. It says, oh, you have a meeting at 3 o'clock with so-and-so. Would you like to set up a twist for that? And all you do is hit yes, and then it does everything else for you. So I, I, I like that kind of.
1: Yeah, that, that's, you know, one of those things I get to do this week when I'm like actually home and not on the road is, is you know, play with some of these apps that uh, I haven't had a chance to, to really get to yet, including Tempo.
0: Tempo, play. Uh, you know, I, I got a, a opportunity to, to meet um, Raj right in, in person at this event in San Francisco um God, i am i am a huge fan of tempo if you haven't played with it go to tempo.ai it's not part of our show but i can't help but uh, but promote the the heck out of it simply because it is a it is a great application it saves me uh, a ton of time and uh, i love the social integration anyway tempo.ai if you're interested look at episode number 126 last week we talked to raj or you can go to TV for a long form interview with uh, with that about tempo enough enough of that all right back into the stories man so uh, we talked, uh, story number two was about the, the Emirates and uh, uh, um, a school board out of outside of uh, Atlanta tracking students uh, on and off a bus. Now what about tracking workers in and out of an office, uh, in and out of projects? Uh, this company called Punch In uh, launched, punch.in. Uh, so it, basically what this is, is an application that allows you to check into the workplace, check into projects, time your projects, time your work. Um, talk about big brother this now this i'm not so sure will fly in the face of uh, of privacy concerns and of big brother like corporate big brother watching how do you how do you bring this into an organization and say oh don't worry this is just for cost benefits uh this is micromanagement to uh, to a like an nth degree um Connecting to your workplace in, in this way, so checking into projects and then you can collaborate on projects with people who have checked into that project, and then you can also time your your events um, and uh, and how much time you've actually put into the projects. This is this this is maybe a little bit extreme for me. I I would not do this if I was an organization, and I would push back if an organization put this in front of me. What do you think, Steve?
1: Yeah, I I kind tend to agree with you on that. Uh, I mean, I'll start with this. So let's let's be a little bit positive. Wait,
0: well, yeah, I'm positive. I'm, I like the name. Yes. <laughs> oh,
1: <no. laughs> I like the name. Okay, Punch. I mean, it says what it is, punch right? In. I mean, it's like the the old punch clock, yeah. right there, right? Um, so, so I'll start by saying I like the name. <laughs> oh no! Um, check-ins to the workplace. Uh, conceptually, you know, I, I can I can agree with it. Um, I, my problem with this is is twofold. So so I think getting you know from an organizational behavior perspective getting people to buy into this concept of you know checking in if you will into all their act- their their various work activities and their you know the projects that they're working on and all that kind of stuff um i think this is a difficult sell uh internally um so that's my challenge number 1 with this thing i think number 2 for me you know this this is not something that i see as a successful standalone technology startup type of thing. I think this is something that you layer into salesforce.com or, you know, something that's already established within the sort of corporate, uh, you know, efficiency and effectiveness type of tools that, that they've got for managing projects, project management and so on. Uh, and maybe that's their game here. Maybe, you know, this is, you know, like like with the Fizz argument, uh, you know, build it out, get enough uh, of, of an initial traction, then flip it to one of those big, um, you know, project management uh, systems that companies do use, uh, a lot of big companies use in particular, um, you know. So, and maybe in some markets outside of North America, this this has more, uh, more weight. I don't know. Um, I don't see it. Like, I, yeah, I can't I, say yeah, like, I, I, I'm like you I mean but maybe you know we both come from running entrepreneurial startup businesses. Uh, you know this this is more big company kind of thing. Uh, but I think it's tough to sell this from a cultural uh, perspective, you know, employee culture perspective. Well, th- think uh, about
0: this, Asif, is that, um, I mean, I've I've run companies, started companies, run companies, had sales forces, yeah. you know, integrated Salesforce. Like perfect example, as you brought up, was salesforce.com. We brought that into the company. We pay huge yeah. dollars every quarter for licenses. Yeah. And the biggest challenge was humans getting the data in there, right? Getting them to adopt it, and yeah. even when it was part of their job to use this tool. It was always a harassment i mean management looks at these tools and says oh my god that that is perfect we'll just implement but then it changes the way people do their work right i mean you have to force it on people and uh, and to do this there would be pushback especially because there's this little thing called the admin portal which allows you to monitor all of this activity. And we're entering this age where this generation of worker, um, whatever your opinion is about this generation of worker that's coming to the workforce right now, this does not sit well with those guys. And I'm I'm the firm belief if, if you are brought on to do work, do your work do it exceptionally well and I, we will have no problems I don't want to monitor you I just what I want you to do is do your job and do it effectively and you want to do your job and do it effectively you do not want to be babysat and that's what this is to me this is a management tool yeah. built for managers not for employees and it's a
1: but, but I got it all figured oh, out okay. Right. Yeah, okay yeah so here, here's what happens is you, you work in a company that's got this system okay so you're you this company's using punch.in. in and then the workers use the Swip app to rate their bosses <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> And go.
0: then it's over yeah. it's very it's quickly over and
1: then it's over so yeah. with, with this yeah. thing
0: though you can do uh, you can punch in uh, To projects to locations obviously to your office. You can project you can do your uh, time counter uh, Basically how much time you spent on it, and then you yeah. go back and edit it So if you have uh, if you have timesheets, I think they're just trying to do much too much with this thing and and, and it's misdirected misguided in a way that that Nobody's going to use this nobody's going to adopt it There's going to be so much employee pushback I, I can't And I think that even if you do get this in there if you have anything to do with organized workers like unions this. This will never fly in the face of that this will absolutely never fly so I mean I, I, I love the uh, the idea the you know the the bright idea piece of this but boy oh boy it's it, it, this is just not this is not something that we will adopt I would never use this in any of my companies ever 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 it just says so much about you as an employer uh, you got to trust your employees it's because it's about loyalty isn't it to that's exactly what it this is, is. Loyalty. about loyalty
1: and and our next two stories are all about yes, this. So, in a good way. Um, two great companies uh, coming together. Uh, been in a been in a relationship for a few years. Um, we're talking about Visa and Fandango. Uh, Fandango is the uh, movie uh, app that uh, is owned by um, uh, NBC Universal, uh, and they've been in a relationship three three year partnership with uh, with Visa. Uh, and what what this this story is about is a is a New feature called Tixpress, uh, or Tix, I don't know if that's how you say it. Tixpress? I'm going with that. Tixpress. Uh, Unlike Punch.in, that name, yeah. Not so good. Not sure. (laughs) Anyways, um, so this is all about Fandango's mobile app. It's all about uh, uh, Visa partnering up with them and enabling people based on location to see what movies uh, are playing near them to get that movie listing from a location perspective. And to be able to pay uh, directly, uh, you know, and buy those tickets directly through the mobile app using your Visa card. Um, And, you know, for me, this just speaks to an overall trend that we're seeing around loyalty, uh, card linked offers, um, you know, and, and tying all those kinds of things together. So like the Foursquare Amex partnership that we've talked about a few times on the show, like the Visa Shopkick partnership. Um, You know, and the many, many others that are evolving, you know, between, you know, credit card and and mobile platform or loyalty card and mobile platform, this for me is just another step in in the right direction, Um, uh, you know, that enables me to, you know, find the movies around me. Uh, You know, Fandango's got a fantastic user base. I mean, they've got uh, 32 million downloads of, of their app. Uh, so there's lots of people that have this thing, um, and so adding this this layer of functionality where, if I'm a Visa card holder, I just associate my Fandango uh, account with my Visa account, uh, and then these these uh, these um, movie listings come up. I can I can buy my ticket. I can pay for it with my Visa. I can get discounts on that because I'm using Visa. Um, so they've got, for example, a um, save uh, five dollars off a twenty five dollar Fandango gift card. You know, if you're using your Visa card, um, they've got buy one, get one free offers. If you use your Visa card on Friday nights, I mean, they've got all this kind of this kind of loyalty, uh, you know, and connectivity between, you know, I like movies. I've got the Fandango app and I'm a Visa card holder. So this is all good for me.
0: It's all good for me as well like this is uh, I think we're gonna start obviously we start seeing this more and more and more the best way to get to an audience is leverage somebody else's and that's exactly what Fandango is doing and it's a great way for Visa to be the card of choice when it comes to uh, you know an emerging company like Fandango I like these kind of partnerships That's all I gotta say is that, I mean uh, I don't make a, a decision uh, about the movie about you know proximity to where I to the movie is. I mean I will go to a theater that's five six ten miles away um, because I don't live near one, but I, I like these. I like this integration, and uh, eventually you can see this even getting a lot closer with uh, with loyalty for Visa tying right into Fandango, um, just transparently. Right, you you get things in the mail from Fandango through Visa that way, and I, and I think that this is uh, this is the start of a great a great. Um, a great relationship and I think that obviously as you said this is an emerging trend that you're seeing this kind of partnership I like
1: it yeah for sure I mean a lot of the discussion at our Atlanta event was around this kind of loyalty programs and tying this to our brand you know Intercontinental for example was on the on the program Bill Keen, great guy I mean this this is a guy who, who knows what's going on around digital and hospitality and tourism and you know top guests and all those kinds of programs that uh, you know are important in, in, in the travel industry uh, you know, but so much of that discussion was around this kind of this kind of loyalty, uh, you know, adding value to loyalty, layering location on top of that, uh, you know, enabling mobile payments, you know, through loyalty platforms, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think is is definitely a a movement that um, where there's where there's significant value for everybody. Um, it, it's not just you know here's another check-in platform. Um, so so I like that. And uh, I don't know, Rob. I don't know for you, but I don't know what's your next movie that you're going to see.
0: Come on, May third? Are you kidding? Iron, Iron Man three. Man 3. I, it is absolutely. I mean, it's on my kids' radar. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah this is this is the the month of movies because you've got Iron Man three, you've got uh, you got Superman re, uh, reboot, and then you've also got uh, Star Trek. Like this is this is the spring. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. It's geeking crazy. out here, but uh, I cannot wait. Uh, I often don't get excited about movies, but and then Thor comes out in the fall. This is like this is like this is my youth coming back this this spring. I can't wait. Oh, I know. Oh man. All right. The other thing, you know, when it comes to loyalty, is that I, I I don't know about you, but I am completely not loyal to my gas station, to any gas station. I mean, my loyalty oh, yeah. is uh, is it a sixteen a liter or a dollar twenty two a liter, and I'm going to go with $1.16 versus a dollar twenty two. That is that is it. Uh, my loyalty. Mm-hmm. So um, our our last story is about uh, these fuel retailers getting together uh, and creating almost a um, you know a, a universal payment loyalty program. Um, and I I just I mean, I'm not loyal to it's gas. Gas is a commodity. It, it,
1: it's gas, and it, it is. Uh, but but I, but I think in Canada, I think you know you and I aren't necessarily the uh, you, you know the we're probably more the exception. It, from that perspective, because what I can tell you for sure, I mean, I've done a lot of work personally uh, up here with with Shell, uh, and uh, Shell is part of the Air Miles program up here in Canada. And I know a lot of people who are Air Miles avid Air Miles collectors that go to Shell to buy their gas, regardless of you know whether it's five cents more or less than uh, Petro Canada or at Esso, uh, because they want those loyalty points. Uh, so it does happen. Uh, it's a significant driver, I, I can tell you for sure, for air miles, having had those conversations with them up here in Canada. Um, this story here specifically, uh, I think, is, is is not that different in some respects. Um, other than it, it's a bunch of, uh, it's 30,000 independent fuel retailers uh, that have formed an organization called Impact Org and have a uh, prepaid card program called the Impact Prepaid Card. Um, to kind of do their own mobile payments platform, if you will. Uh, So they've launched a uh, a a new thing called Sonic, uh, or is that right, uh, Psionic Mobile? Um, And this this is both loyalty and mobile payments, all kind of tied together. Uh, The story is kind of being woven as a you know bucking the trend of retailers to jump on the MCX or the Merchant Customer Exchange uh, initiative uh, by launching their own there's some value here for users they get a one percent uh uh instant uh, reward or rebate if you will off of what they spend they get a five cents uh, per gallon discount on fuel uh when they pay with their phone uh or with the impact card uh that's that's part of this uh when you walk into the store and use your card so you know i, I think there there's some value here if, if you are you know okay with buying your gas from an independent fuel retailer then uh then yeah that that can happen um and apparently they've got uh 250,000 people on the platform already so yeah yeah I, I think there's there's some value here uh i think you know some of us are price conscious and some of us you know want to see you know can can we uh you know can we gather some points can we do some kind of loyalty program and is there value there so yeah. so, so i don't dispute this initiative i think this uh has some value. I, I know the MCX program, uh, you know, I was just with those guys in Chicago a few weeks ago, uh, talking to Dodd Roberts and those guys who run the MCX, and they're getting huge traction from the mainstream retailers. This is obviously focused on an independent fuel, fuel re- retailers, and I think in both cases, you're going to see uh, you know, a lot of success with these programs.
0: And they have to, uh, especially the independent guys. I mean, we, we talked uh, to Beergram um, a, a while ago, uh, Andrea, and what we talked about there was: listen, these are craft breweries. These aren't the, these aren't the the big brew pumps that just pump out you know beer if you call it that. These are these are artisan beers, and it's the same thing I think with these uh, these fuel guys is that they have to do something that drives traffic. And but it always comes down to price, right? Like what we're talking about there is a five percent or five cent per. Um, per gallon discount when you use your mobile payment use your mobile device to pay or a one percent discount or a bunch of points that you get as a result of it Um, you know but but uh, you know in Canada is that you know the driving factors that I have air miles and I have aeroplan and those are the ones that are accepted at most um, you know you get points at most gas stations and you know if i'm in one or the other it doesn't matter i'm getting rewards one way or another and my reward is really ultimately that i don't want to pay very much for gas and i think that that's what ends up happening here you can put as much technology around all of this but in the eyes of the consumer it's the best value um and that's that could be rewards but it's going to be based on price like i would sacrifice my reward Mm. points for aeroplan and anything if i can get 10 cents off of a you know a liter right i mean that's yeah,
1: but but that's the thing, right? I mean, they're saying by using this, it's five, you're getting five yeah. cents off, right? right. Uh, you know, per liter. And, and the other thing, you know, I was but it depends because See, event, If
0: if gas, if their gas at these independent gas stations, you know, are eight cents more than than the big chains, and they're going to give me f- but they're typically not, yeah. right? I mean, typically they're, they're,
1: the independent retailers are, are less, yeah. right? And if you're already going to save even more by doing this, and, and the perfect case and point around this is, you know, we did our event in Seattle and we had Rob Walters on that panel from Costco. Uh, and I can tell you, I know, I know Costco members here in, in Canada and I know, g- talking to Costco down there, one of the number one drivers for Costco membership is gas.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, it, it's, it, it's that savings. I mean, people line up because it's, it's like five, 10 cents cheaper than anywhere yep. else, right? And you can't get it unless you're a Costco member.
0: It, those are, that's the benefits, right? But you know what? You can throw anything around here. You can talk about loyalty and you can talk about this, you can talk about that. You can talk about integration with payments and the complexity that all this does. But the bottom line is that what drives us as consumers? Cost, right? So I I mean, for sure, you know, it's one thing to force me to pay with my device. Fine, whatever, to get the discount. But that's too much friction. You want me to be a part of this? You want me to shop at at a smaller chain? Just give me a better price. Like, you know, so sometimes I think that we, we put too much, we make things too complex, right? We're thinking about, okay, so how do we get the loyalty in there? Like, if you want me, my loyalty, just... Make it cheaper. Give me some value to be there, and and that's the first step. And I mean, Costco is an interesting one because, um, you know, you pay a fifty dollars membership, and you get all the discounts in the big bulk foods. But then you're getting discounts in tires, you're getting discounts in gas, you're getting discounts in absolutely everything that you can imagine. I mean, pretty soon it'll be haircuts and and uh, and everything along those lines, and and healthcare. So. Um, Anyway, they have to do something because they're getting weeded out just like the record stores in the olden days and the CD stores and the bookstores got destroyed and the the smaller grocery stores got destroyed. At least they're being proactive about this so that the big companies don't come in there and just dominate in all the small neighborhoods. So I I like it from that angle. And I would support this if we had something like this in Canada. So if you're interested, I mean, you can go to impactorg.org, impactorg.org, and you can find out a little bit more about what these guys are doing. Um, And uh, very cool. Six stories, our feature of the week, which was the visualizing your Foursquare check-ins uh, over the last year. We had Edward Marks coming on of Twist. Uh, look for that full episode coming up on, on Tether.tv, And our last piece of business, Asif. I come from the mobile gaming world, and here is, what, an infographic of the history of location-based games. Pretty cool, man.
1: Yeah, I, I thought this was a nice little, I mean, it, it's a simple infographic, but, you know, it's nice to kind of be able to, every once in a while, look back, right? I mean, whether it's visualizing your Foursquare check-ins over the last year or looking back, in this case, uh, you know, over the last 13 years uh, from 99 to now, you know, the history of, uh, of location-based gaming. It goes all the way back to, you know, the first mobile phone with GPS, uh, you know, when dodgeball and geocaching was happening in, in 2000 kind of works its way through, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, Google Maps uh, coming out in 2005, uh, you know, kind of progresses a bit further when we got Foursquare and Gowalla and kind of that kind of gaming aspect, Scavenger launched in 2009. And then all the way to, you know, you know, last year where we had Ingress, you know, coming out of Google and, uh, you know, please stay calm and no zombies and all these kinds of life is crime and all these kinds of interesting location-based uh, you know, role-playing games and, and things. So, so it, it's nice to kind of just look back and see that there's been, you know, some progress in this in, in this space and that, uh, you know, there, there's still there's still a fun aspect to location in, in the sense of, you know, uh, gaming happening around it.
0: And, uh, yeah, I, I love that. Please stay calm, Toronto-based company. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I really like these. Um, this is a good visualization. We were doing a lot of these things um, with Magmic early on in the days in the mobile gaming space where we tried to leverage uh, location the very first location device, smartphone that was out there was like the, w- w- uh, like a BlackBerry 7200. It was a like a chocolate bar size uh, uh, phone, and it was a, uh, and it was the very first device to integrate uh, GPS in the challenge with it back in those days, 2004, 2005. Um, very early on in this was that it took like nine minutes to get a, a lock on your location, so and it mm-hmm. drained the entire battery just to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't as effective. But now we're starting to see these things like Ingress. Uh, which is taking off and as we've talked about before it's spawning an entire book series i mean and it's all based on 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 these location games it's uh i like that it's a it's a great it's a great thing and if you're if you're looking at this thinking has it accelerated since this really began and I would say n- no it's remained a pretty steady uh, number of games that are that have been released and and uh, you know this is just a sampling of them um, but you can expect as these devices become smarter battery consumption becomes manageable location data becomes uh, pervasive and these devices you know cross a threshold obviously recently yeah. you're going to start to see this uh, many more people uh, adding to this game list it's uh, it's pretty amazing so if you're interested in that uh, I found this on boston.com are we going to have a link to this for the lbma or should we just direct them to the uh, yeah
1: yeah it'll be on the research uh, the
0: lbma.com research if you're interested in the history of location-based games all right we are done episode number 127 of this week in location-based marketing uh we will be back next week for number 128 i implore you if you enjoyed this if you made it this far it must mean something Please, uh, we'd appreciate a good review. It's our currency. Go to wherever you found this, whatever podcasting software you are using, uh, and give us a rating. Uh, That's all it takes is just got to go up and hit a star, right? Not one star, but you got to hit the number four or five stars, which is what we'd appreciate. Uh, It means a lot to us. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, Really, 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 uh, you know, it's the best way to get it in your inbox ahead of everybody else. You don't have to come to the websites and watch the video uh, on a web browser. You can just get it downloaded on one of these devices, take it to go, listen to it on your commute, listen to it, uh, you know, while you're at work, while you're at the gym. Um, Just go and subscribe. That means it's always there for you whenever we release a new podcast. And uh, you can do that through whatever software, Stitcher, through iTunes, whatever you want to do. Just go and do a a search for This Week in Location-Based Marketing in that little search bar in whatever software you use, and you will find this podcast. It is the only podcast of the 250,000 podcasts out there that covers this industry with such depth. You will not find another one. So please, go and subscribe, and you will always, always, always be in the know when it comes to location-based marketing and the uh, world of mobile. That's my pitch. That's it. We're good. All right, Asif, enjoy your week in Toronto. We'll be back next week for episode number 128. Everybody, thank you so much for watching or listening wherever you are, whatever you're doing. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next time.
1: All right, Cheers.